You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. And so, uh, if you will, as we all uh, come together to read this, if we would stand in honor, if you're able to, to stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word, Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 32. Uh, We've been looking at uh, Peter and John and the apostles uh, to give kind of a backdrop with what we've been discussing. They've been out preaching in the temple. Of course, the day of Pentecost has come. They're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They're out there preaching in what's called Solomon's Colonnade, uh, right there in the temple. And the authorities, they didn't like hearing them preach because people were coming to faith in mass numbers, the Bible tells us. And they didn't like that. And so they said, listen, you guys have got to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. We're telling you right now, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Well, they kept on because they said, who are we supposed to listen to, you or God? I mean, that's, that's the great commandment we have to ask ourselves. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is calling us to preach and teach your word. Well, then we're going to see that they were, they were threatened, uh, then they were let go, and then we come to verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, now, the Sadducees, there's, there's a long history with the Sadducees. The Sadducees were Roman sympathizers. In fact, the only reason why they were in the, the priesthood is because uh, when Rome came in, they invaded Israel, they ransacked the temple, 
and they basically got rid of all the priests who were supposed to be there. Many people believe that they became that group called the Essenes that preserved the Dead Sea Scrolls that we know about. Uh, and so, uh, so they, they actually sold the priesthood to the highest bidder, which was the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the highest bidder. So they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people the words of this life. And they all heard that, and they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Well, obviously, when they got to the prison, Peter and John weren't there. And then they're saying, well, where in the world are these guys? What happened? Well, look at verse 22. When the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Where in the world are these guys? Or are they like an ancient Houdini? What happened here? So now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered the outcome, what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, I tell you where these guys are. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Well, obviously they had to be asking themselves this question. How in the world did they get out there? <laughs> how, did they, how are they doing this? Then the captain went out and, with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we live in a fearful time. We have so many things going on around us. There's threats of bombings, there's threats of terrorist attacks, there are threats of all these things that ensue us that uh, encompass our lives, that bring us anxiety. But Lord, help us through this message to realize that we don't need to place fear in what could be, but place our faith in what will be and the promises that you have for us. And so Lord, we just ask that you would just allow me to speak the words, just to simply be your instrument, Lord, this morning, to speak the words that need to be spoken and to hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. It's amazing the difference that faith will bring. Uh, how many of you have ever, if, 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 if you want to raise your hands, it'll be fine. How many of you have ever watched professional wrestling before? Anybody? All right, so I'm not alone. That, now, I, you have to kind of blame my grandpa Chilton for this, too. He's the one who got me into this. How many of you have ever heard, you remember back in the 80s and 90s, 
these two big old guys. They had their face painted. They wore spikes on their shoulders. They went by the name the Road Warriors. Anyone ever heard of them? Oh, come on now. You can raise your hand. There's more hands that were raised the first time than the second one. Well, there were these two guys. One was named Animal and the other one was named Hawk. And Animal, you remember, Animal was the bigger of the two. Hawk was slightly smaller but more athletic than Animal. And these two guys came out and, and they wreaked havoc every time they stepped in the ring. Well, again, they lit up the, the professional wrestling world in the 80s and 90s. Their real names, Animal, was, his real name is Joseph Laurinaitis. Uh, he's originally from, I think he was born in Philadelphia, lives up in Minnesota, or, or he was, uh, w lived in Chicago there for a period of time. And then Michael Hegstrand was the guy who was named as Hawk. He was, I believe, born and, and grew up in Chicago, uh, the south side of Chicago, rough area, rough neighborhood. Well, both of these guys, well, especially Hawk, Michael Hegstrand, was known for several things. He was known for being very athletic, athletically talented. He was known for his face paint, his famous line. We would always say, oh, what a rush. Uh, and he was also known for his love for the party scene as he was an alcoholic and a, really a drug addict, too. Uh, in fact, he struggled with those areas quite a bit, and part of that was the reason why he died as early as he did. But interestingly enough, at a revival held by, uh, you probably heard this guy's name too. This guy left the professional wrestling business and became an evangelist. You remember the guy Nikita Koloff? Uh, he, is, he is an evangelist now, and actually he led Joseph Laurinaitis and Michael Hegstrand to the Lord. Uh, they were one to the Lord. They actually stood up and gave their testimony about how they came to faith. And Hegstrand, he still had his troubles, but he had a newfound faith in, uh, in the Lord. Instead of saying, oh, what a rush in the world of drugs and alcohol, he said, oh, what a rush in the Spirit of God. And he came to faith. And interesting enough, he and his wife lived down in Florida. And there was one, certain, there was one day that uh, they had to move inland because they were getting bombarded by the sand and the waves and, and, and a lot of things going on living at the coast. They moved inland, and, and Michael, otherwise known as Hawk, he made sure that he moved all the heavy stuff for his wife into the new house because later that night he died of a heart attack. He, he died of a heart attack. This happened, I think, two or three years ago, if I'm not mistaken. But it, they, many people said it was weird. It's almost as if he knew something was going to happen because he got everything aligned for his wife in the house, stuff that she couldn't move on her own. He, he got everything aligned just so, moved all the heavy stuff because later that night it's almost as if he knew that he was going to die of a massive heart attack. Michael, who even though he was a party guy... I believe a lot of times people get involved in that because fear overtakes them because it's easier to, to buy the drug or buy the drink to, to just forget about those things for a period of time. Now Michael faced death with a newfound fervor. He, fervor. he faced death with a confidence that could only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, what I want to simply tell you today is this. Peter and John were arrested by the authorities because they continued preaching the gospel. And, and many people were afraid, and rightly so, because they had seen what the authorities did with Jesus. They turned Jesus over to the Roman authorities, and he was beaten, he was crucified, and they saw, they knew the end result. Yet, the apostles did not let fear override their faith. Rather, they allowed their faith to override their fears. 
And that's, beloved, what we must do. We have so many things that we can worry about today. And in fact, it's always been the case. If you want to find something to worry about, all you have to do is turn on the television and watch the local news. You can find something you can worry about. You can, you can worry about these uh, bacteria that, uh, that's, that's growing uh, 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 immune to uh, uh, the antibiotics. You can worry about the things going on in North Korea. You can worry about ISIS. You can worry about this. You can worry about that. Beloved, I want to tell you something. There have always been, since, the, since sin entered hum, humanity, since sin entered the world, there has always been something for which we could worry. Amen? There's always something you can worry about, but if you have faith in Jesus Christ, those worries, those fears subside. Although the disciples were placed in prison, an angel from God came by, released them, telling them to keep preaching. And what did they do? They went back out in the streets. They went back out to the temple and kept preaching the Word of God. So what I want us to look at today is to how to keep faith during fearful times. There are certain times in history where there are more things for which we can be fearful. And so today I want us to look at ways that we can keep the faith, keep our strong faith, even despite living through fearful times. Number one, we see to keep the faith in fearful times, we must remember that we need to obey God's instruction. Now again, we see the high priests were angered with the disciples for preaching the Word of God. They wanted to silence them. They were getting aggravated over the fact that so many people were coming to faith. So many men and women were coming to the Lord, and they, were, they weren't focusing on the temple anymore. They were focusing on Jesus, and they were aggravated about this. Now, it's interesting because the Sadducees weren't so much, I don't believe, a religious party as they were a political party. And beloved, let me tell you something about politicians. They'll let you down, amen? That was weak, amen? <laughs> politicians will let you down. They'll promise all these things, but very rarely do they ever come up with it. Now, it's interesting, Sadducees, being a political party as they were, I really believe, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the judgment of God. They didn't believe in angels, and how interesting it is that God used an angel, something they didn't believe existed, to come and deliver the apostles from prison. <laughs> I think God was trying to tell them something. The high priests and Sadducees were upset to the point of jealousy. And their jealousy arose from the popularity of the apostles' preaching, from the power of the apostles' miracles, and the disobedience of the apostles to the authorities' direction. And here again, it, it, they, wanted the, they wanted to squelch this new movement. They wanted to silence it. They thought they had silenced it by crucifying Jesus, but he only rose from the dead, so that didn't stop it. <laughs> that didn't stop it. They thought that they could contain these uh, disciples. Well, that didn't work because the Holy Spirit of God filled them, empowered them to preach the message. They kept doing miracles in the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... Um, so nonetheless, they put them in prison. And here again, they put them in prison, saying, maybe we can silence them by just keeping them in prison. Well, an angel of the Lord comes by and then opens the door, lets them go off scot-free. So what do you do with these guys? These guys have got to be frustrated to no end by this point in time. But the disciples, what they did, going back to verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells them, speaking for God, he says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. 
And when they heard that, look in verse 21, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. You see, instead of focusing on the fears of what could be, they focused on the reality of what was, and that is God and their salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and the truths found in God's Word. You know what, I, I've, uh, I'm beginning this new program, this, this program, the Ph.D. program, and I'm, there's a lot of reading in this. I'm telling you, there's a lot of reading in this. But you know what, I'm, I am prone to anxiety myself. I am prone to anxiety myself. But you know one thing I found quite interesting in all this? I've spent more time in God's Word. I've spent more time reading books and less time watching the news. And you know what? I don't have near as much anxiety. <laughs> I spent less time watching the news stations and more time focused in on the Word of God. And I found that I don't have near as much anxiety as I used to have. Beloved, you can always, if you focus on the news, you focus on world events, you're going to find something you can worry about. If you focus on what man can do, my goodness, if that's the focus of your, of your intention, that's the focus of your direction, then we have a lot of things to worry about. But if we focus on God and His promises and know the end game about what's going to take place, it's funny how fear can override our fear. I mean, excuse me, faith can override our fears. The disciples, they just simply were obeying God's instructions. They kept doing what God had called them to do. And I just want to tell you something. If we do what God has called us to do, and we focus our attentions on that, we're not going to have time to worry about all the things that are going wrong. Amen? If you do, what God, if you do just the two great commandments, you try to fulfill the two great commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, I'm going to guarantee you this. If you strive to keep those two commandments, then you're not going to have time to worry about every other thing. Amen? Because you're going to be so busy, you're going to be so busy in ministry and, and, and fulfilling what God has called you to do in life that you're not going to have time to worry about the rest. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 28, Don't fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, 28. Fear is the antithesis of faith. In fact, fear, that's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be fearful. Because if you allow fear to overtake your faith, then you're going to be paralyzed. You're going to be afraid to do anything, right? You're going to be afraid to make a move because you're going to be afraid, well, what if this happens or what if that happens or what could happen here or what can happen there? Then you're going to be stuck because you're not going to move any direction. Faith breaks through those barriers. In fact, we see in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 1, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof is what, uh, of what is not yet seen. Joshua noted to the people of God that above all, we need to be strong and courageous, Joshua 1, 18. Be strong and courageous, not fearful and downtrodden. Be strong and courageous because the Lord your God is your Savior. He has given you a heaven. And understand this, if heaven is real... If heaven is real and the Bible is true, then we don't even have to worry about death, do we? We don't even have to worry about death. The devil's going to threaten you with death. Well, so what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He's, the devil can't kill you, you know that? Because God has given you life, and you have life, and you have it more abundantly. There's not a thing the devil can really do to us if we focus on the Lord, because we have life and have it more abundantly. 
So if we focus on what God wants us to do, we're not going to have time to worry about the coulds and woulds of life. We can focus on the wills of life because we can focus on the desire of the Lord and the will of God. And beloved, that will keep away the fears of life. Number two, to keep the faith in fearful times. Remember God's deliverance. Remember God's deliverance. And we see this in verses 21 and following. Now look, here again. When they heard this, they heard the word of the Lord speak, spoken through the angel. They entered the, they entered the temple in the early morning and taught. And the, and the high priest and those with them came and called the council together. And they're looking for these guys, obviously. They're asking themselves, they're asking people, where are these guys? And they see that yet again, they're out in the temple preaching. Uh, they told them not to, but they can't, they can't help it. God told them to preach and teach. They're out there preaching and teaching. And so we see in verse 29, Peter says, We ought to obey God rather than men. Okay? How did they have such power? Well, because they went back and they remembered what God had just done for them. They remembered, if you go on down, and we're going to look at this in a few moments, they remembered that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had remembered that he had ascended to the right hand of God the, God the Father. They had remembered that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they remembered that even though they were shackled in this prison, an angel of the Lord came and delivered them. You know, the thing is, a lot of times what will happen is that we forget about what God has done in our lives. We forget about what God has done in our lives. And you know, God is constantly, I believe He's constantly redeeming us and helping us through the problems of life. You know, as I read this story, I couldn't help being from Mayberry, the Mayberry area, Mount Pilate to be more exact. Remember that show on the Andy Griffith, uh, on Andy Griffith about Ernest T. Bass? He was angry at uh, Andy and Barney because they had told this army recruiter not to bring him in because he was too big of a wild man. And uh, they arrested Ernest T. Bass, and Barney was there. He was getting his breakfast, and he looked around and asked if he could borrow the pepper, and there was Ernest T. Bass sitting right beside him. He had somehow escaped from prison. And the more times, the more times they threw Ernest T. Bass in prison, the more times he got out driving Barney absolutely mad. He couldn't understand how is it that this guy, this wiry little guy, kept escaping from prison. But you know, in reality, that's what God does for us. Several times in our lives, each time through the day, I believe, several times through the day, God will deliver us from fears. God will deliver us from anxieties. God's constantly delivering us here and there. He's constantly blessing us. But what happens so often is that we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has done for us, and we focus, again, how are we going to make it through this, this situation? But we forget about all the times that God had been there for us in the past, had delivered us in times past. Beloved, go back and remember the ways that God has delivered you. Uh, Peter and John had strength to face the Sanhedrin because of the Holy Spirit's work in their lives and because of their remembrance of what God had done in their lives. The psalmist says in Psalm 22, verses 4 and through 5, he says, Our fathers trusted in you, Lord. They trusted and they, you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. The believer should also remember that through this that God does not change. If God loves you and you are in his covenant and you love God and you're saved, if God's redeemed you before, guess what? He'll do it again. We may not know how. 
We may not know what's in what circumstance. But if God has been, you for, been there for you in the past, He will be there for you in the future. Why do I, how do I know this? Well, because God does not change. Malachi 3.6, God says, Because I, the Lord, have not changed, you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. If God has been there for you in the past, He will be there for you in the present, and He will be there for you in the future. God is still God, and He does not change. God is still God, and He does not change. So when fear cripples you, take a moment and go back and think about the ways that God has delivered you in the past and pray with the anticipation and expectation that God will somehow, in some way, deliver you from your present troubles. You may not know how, you may not know why, but you know, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will be there for us through thick and through thin. Verses 30 through 32, we see the final way that we can keep fear at bay in fearful times, to trust God's revelation. God has revealed to us certain truths about himself and certain truths about the way in which we should live. Uh, if, we, if we look at just the, t- the statements being brought to us here in verses 30 through 32, we see that they trusted in the revelation of God's prophetic Messiah, that the God of our fathers uh, raised up Jesus, whom you murdered. Uh, we ought to obey God, uh, Him God has exalted. Uh, we see that uh, they trusted in the revelation of Christ's literal resurrection, that He was raised up on the third day. They trusted in the revelation of Christ's divine authority, that uh, God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior. They trusted in the revelation of, uh, of God's atoning forgiveness. In verse 31, we see that, uh, t- that He was given to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We see that they trusted in the revelation of God's Holy Spirit revealed to them that as God had come down in their hearts and their lives, He had filled their hearts and their lives and through the Holy Spirit. The power that the people experienced did not arise within them, but rather through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a talk radio at times, and uh, at night, at night uh, I, I, I don't always agree with this show. There's some weird things that come on this show, but if I'm up late, sometime I'll listen to this uh, show called Coast to Coast AM. They have some weird things on this show. I'm going to tell you, it's kind of funny listening to it. Sometimes they'll talk about these alien encounters and stuff like that. And then sometimes they have some really interesting things on there. But I was listening to one show, and they were talking about on this program how they were really concerned about the stuff going on in the Middle East. They were really concerned about the things going on in the Middle East, that if things kept going the way they were going, that they anticipated within two months that we would see World War III, it would be the end of the world as we know it. Russia, the Russian involvement in Israel, Israel involvement in other areas, area, other areas involving themselves in Israel, just chaos going on. And that, man, I'm telling you, they, they had me on edge just listening to this, wondering about what was taking place. Until, until the commercial break. The commercial break says you're listening to Coast to Coast AM. We're, we're listen, you're listening to Back in Time with Art Bell to a, a program originally aired December of 1998. I thought, wait a minute, that was 1998. and two months' time, they expected the end of the world, World War III, and everything to go chaotic, and that was 1998. You know, I think we do the same thing. A lot of times we'll get so focused on world events, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, because I think we should keep an eye on the newspaper while, as Charles Spurgeon 
keeping the other hand on the Word of God. But at the same time, we must understand that we need to view everything in life through God's revelation. Because if we understand that God is really real, that we understand that Jesus really existed, that He really rose from the dead, that He literally did that, and we understand that He's coming back, then, beloved, we really have nothing to fear about, do we? We really have nothing to fear about whatsoever. God's revelation gives the believer confidence because of God's true nature. Solomon notes in Proverbs 3.26 that the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. In Numbers, one finds that God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? God's revelation gives the believer confidence because of God's eternal plan. In Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. God loves you with an everlasting love. You're in his new covenant. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The writer of Hebrews states that we should hold to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful, Hebrews 10.23. Place your trust in God's revelation. And we need to all, I'm speaking to myself probably more than anyone else, focus less on the things going on in the world and focus more on the things going on in heaven, the thing, the plan that God has for us. And beloved, if we will simply do that, we will understand that what Jesus says is so true, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, but the time is not yet. And when the time does come, beloved, we who are believers in Christ, we, it's only going to get better and better for us. Amen? It's only going to get better and better for us. I asked her permission to do this, and she said that I could. But it was such a funny story. Uh, we met with uh, Mom and Dad after Grayson got out of school. We went, met with Mom and Dad to go uh, watch the solar eclipse. And we had our glasses. We, we looked like those aliens you hear about on this coast to coast. We had our glasses on. And, uh, you know, there had been so much going on about... Uh, be careful, make sure you have the appropriate equipment or you're going to damage your eyes. If anyone looked at the sun without the proper equipment, it was on them because 50 times a day they said the same thing, don't look at the sun without special equipment. Well, Mom was a little bit, I've got to tell a story on Mom. I asked her if I could and she said I could. She was a little bit hesitant about looking through these glasses at this, at this solar eclipse. And so she would look for a second and she'd look back down. She had the you know, glasses on. And she says, are you sure these are safe? I said, well, they're NASA approved. They have the ISO number. Everything's going well. And she'd peep up and she'd peep down a little bit with the glasses and everything. Well, as the eclipse went on, it was was at this highest moment. Mom looked around. She says, guys, I think I damaged my eyes. I said, what are you talking about, Mom? She said, everything's getting dark. (laughs) We looked at one another and then she says, Oh, yeah, it's supposed to get dark, isn't it? (laughs) But, you know, isn't that so true of what happens in our lives? We forget for a moment. We allow fear. And I thank you for letting me use that, Mom. We allow fear to take hold of our lives. And we forget what God is doing in the midst of it all. And, beloved, if you get nothing else from this message, just realize... If you turn on the news, you're going to see the worst possible thing. But if you pick up the news of God, you're going to see the best that there is. God's plan will not fail. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he said would come to to pass in Jesus came to pass exactly as he said it would. And that means that what will come to pass in the future will be exactly as he says it will 
in God's Word. So focus less on all the things going on in the world and focus more on the plan of God. And I guarantee you, if we just do that, we'll have a lot less anxiety in our lives. We'll have a lot less fear. And we'll have a whole lot more faith as we place in God our Lord and Savior. To keep the faith in fearful times, three things to remember. Obey God's instruction. If you do that, you're not going to have time to, to be fearful. If you Also, remember God's deliverance. Go back and see the ways that God has delivered you in the past and expect, with hopeful expectation, that God is going to do the same for you in the future. And finally, trust in God's revelation. Focus on His revelation. So ask yourself these questions. Am I spending my time focused on obeying God's commands for my life? If not, how can I improve that? Do I spend more time remembering the ways God has delivered me or more time worried about how we will? That's another question we must ask ourselves. And finally, we must ask ourselves, do I believe and trust in what God has told me? How might I increase my trust in God's revealed truth? Those are the questions we need to take with us as we leave this church today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, first and foremost, let me say that if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior... I want to encourage you to come down and receive him before it's eternally too late. The fact fact is is that we have a limited amount of time to receive Christ as our Savior. We don't know when uh, Christ will call us home. We don't know when our souls will be required of us. So if you're here today and you've never made that faith, that step of commitment, I want to ask that you come down and and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It'll be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Maybe you're here today and maybe fear. Maybe the devil has crippled you with fear. And maybe you want to come down and lay all those fears at the foot of the cross saying, Lord, I give it to you. I'm just going to obey your command. I'm going to trust in your revelation. And I'm going to think back about all the ways you've delivered me in the past. Maybe you want to come and lay those worries at the foot of the cross. We encourage you to do that. Or maybe you want to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, We just encourage you to come as the Spirit calls. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can place our faith and trust in you. And Lord, that the fears of this world do not have to hold us captive. That you have redeemed us, that you have given us love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. Many, all the fruits of the Spirit you have given to us by your given us peace. You've given us peace. You simply grab on to that peace that you have given us. Help us all to be focused on Let's on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, 
This is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. When I first wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict, truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth, but now it is. Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this, because I hear it from students so often, I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim, and I think we do. We had to rewrite evidence demands a verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting. And we want you to be aware of that. We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor to be aware of the new evidence out there to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe in it. Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere October 3rd, 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence. Hi, Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. And at STR, we have always cared about Christianity worth thinking about. And when I found out that the SES conference this year was about pursuing a faith that thinks, I realized that if you go to this conference, you're not only going to have the information you need to deal with people who challenge your convictions, you're going to have the information that will help you deal with the toughest critic you'll ever face, and that's you. That's why I hope to see you there at the SES conference October 13th and 14th in Charlotte, pursuing a faith that thinks. Register now for the National Conference on Christian Apologetics by going to conference.ses.edu. Early bird pricing ends August 1st, so be sure to go and register now. Once again, that's conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics 2017, October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, pursuing a faith that thinks. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics, but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics, entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, 
Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turret, Jay Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, defending the faith of things.